Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Hey, it's me, your mechanic. I know that you brought your car into the shop because a little check engine light was on, and I'm happy to let you know that we found the solution. You need to get your sound system going and queue up a bunch of episodes of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. Hello, it's been a little bit. Let's talk about the pod. Let's talk about what's ahead. Let's talk about this episode as well. So as far as the podcast itself, we've got some live shows coming up through the end of the year that I'm very excited about. Some of those shows are going to be half Potterless, half the New Olympian shows. Some of them are just the New Olympian. So here's the shows for the end of the year. The ones that have Potterless aspects in them are December 15th in Austin, Texas, and December 17th in San Antonio, Texas. I will then be in a bunch of cities doing just the News Olympian, which is my Percy Jackson podcast, if you're unfamiliar. But if you want to see those live shows, I'll be in DC on September 28th, Philadelphia, October 21st, New York City, October 22nd, Dallas, December 13th. Then we mentioned the 15th and the 17th for those half TNO, half Potterless shows in Austin and San Antonio, and then December 19th in Houston for the News Olympian. So if you want to get tickets to all those shows, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com slash live and you can get your tickets there. It will be very fun. It will be very silly. And I'm very excited to bring those shows to you. Now, as far as this episode, it is unique in a couple of different ways. First and foremost, there is a full video component for this episode up on the Potterless YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com slash at symbol Potterless podcast, I believe, or if you just search Potterless, it'll show up. And if you search Potterless Atlanta, I'm sure the video I'm talking about will show up. As mentioned in the episode you're about to hear, I had a videographer, Seth, come through and video the show that we ended up using in some social media promos and stuff like that. But Seth took a bunch of footage, which was really cool. And I basically compiled all the usable footage that featured behind the scenes things and stuff from the show as well. And it made like a 50 minute video. It's kind of like a mini documentary behind the scenes film about what a Potterless live show looks like. You'll get to see behind the scenes stuff of me and Johnny getting ready for the show. You'll get to see us talking during intermission and after the show, you'll get to see clips from the show and of the crowd and all these other fun things. It's super fun and super interesting. And it was really cool to see all of the wonderful footage that Seth got. Now, the footage that Seth got also did help with this actual episode. As you will hear after the intro song plays, we had a bit of audio difficulties in that the first half of the show, the first act did not get recorded. But because Seth was taking so many videos, we do have some audio clips from those videos that I have interspliced into to me and Johnny recapping the first act. So basically we got home right after the show, realized what went wrong, and then we tried to, from memory, recap as much as we could from the first act. And because of the video footage, I was able to put in audio clips of some of the things we mentioned, so you'll still get a little taste of what it's like. And then the entire second act and Q&A is all recorded, all good to go there. So you can either listen to the episode and then watch the video or do both, do whatever you want, but that video is there. I'm really proud of it. Super high quality stuff. Shout out to Seth for putting that all together. So without further ado, let's hear that episode 
episode, this is Johnny and I live from Atlanta, hotel version and also live version, as we determine via our foolproof bracket method, what is the best quote in all of the Harry Potter books. And again, our guest is Johnny Frolicstein, and this is from the March 2022 live show in Atlanta, Georgia. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Oh No, Something Went Wrong with the Recording, starring Johnny and Mike. So, unfortunately, with the Atlanta live show, the first half of the show was not recorded because Johnny and I were doing lots of prep. This one was for what is the best quote. It took a ton of prep work in terms of us finding the quotes and ranking them properly and preparing the notes, making sure they were worded correctly, making sure we had the context written down. Because we were going so intense with the prep here, we were so ingrained in it that we took the stage, or at least we got backstage ready to take the stage, just with like a minute or so to go. And then I was, as you may have heard or may hear later on, I don't know when I post this and stuff, was working with the videographer and I was really trying to make sure all that stuff was good and make sure he was able to film the intro and all of that. He did have some audio clips that we're going to try to use in this one. So you might be able to hear some of these things that we're going to describe here. But I've just got so caught up in all of that that I forgot to hit record. I forgot that it was on me. Usually I give the recorder to the sound guy at the booth to do it. But this one, the way it was set up, I was supposed to just hit record right before taking the stage, which is usually nicer and what I prefer. And it's what we did in Nashville last night. But it just slipped and I'm sorry, but the show was good and we're going to do what we did when this happened in Phoenix. We put it on the Patreon, not the main feed like this, but Johnny and I did an entire Phoenix show where two things went wrong. We had two things recording it and both had errors where we only had like 20 something minutes of the show recorded. So thankfully we at least got all the back half of this. We got all of Act 2 and the Q&A and stuff and we're just going to re re recap what happened in the first part. So to set the stage. This was, what is the best quote in the Harry Potter books? As far as just like a recap, I took the stage as I normally do. I shot off a bunch of money guns and stuff. To did, Bombs Over Baghdad. To Bombs Over Baghdad, which is a very good outcast song. We're in Atlanta. I always do a local artist of sorts. So had that going, crowd was very hype. There was a lot of people in the crowd, and that is what I said in the beginning. I was very happy about how well the show sold. All leading up to this, that this show was selling incredibly well. Like, I'm pretty sure that after the first day that I announced that we were doing a show in Atlanta, there were like 50 tickets sold on the first day. That is a lot. I've performed shows with less than 50 people at them. <laughs> so that was very cool. And I'm not trying to put other cities on blast and stuff, but officially, the Atlanta show is the highest selling show since we've done tours. So if I had to choose between all of my children, you guys are doing pretty well, I gotta say. Doing pretty well. So thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So we are here not just to, you know, 
hang out and talk about cool Atlanta things like the traffic, am I right? <laughs> which I was stuck in today, which was very fun. So I, I feel all of your pain. It was 140 something people, which was wild. It was a very rowdy crowd, which you'll get to hear when we talk about the second act. So then I welcome Johnny to the stage. What's good, bud? Hello. And then we got into it. So, laid the groundwork. It's a bracket to determine what the best quote is. We've got a whole bunch of quotes. And before anyone gets angry at us, if we've left off your favorite quote first, there's a lot. <laughs> the, the choices of quotes here were any word in the book. <laughs> so we broke it into four different categories for the bracket. It's what they do for the time here. And we're actually recording this one in March. Uh, so it's very apt, given that the bad NCAA does the bad basketball tournament, where they don't pay people what they're worth, even though they make millions of dollars. So instead of doing March Madness, we'll be doing... March. No, wait, okay, so how about this? Because we we've done other, like, plays on March. Sorry, I did think about this in the shower last night. <laughs> what if we did, like, Spring Splendor, or like <laughs> the Spring Spree, or something that's like an allusion to March, but isn't just like March and another word with them. You should put that on Reddit shower thoughts for mm, your shower yeah, thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Spring Splendor. <laughs> okay, four upvotes, and then someone will be like, actually, missed opportunity for a different joke. <laughs> As we always do, we, we apply them to houses. So the Gryffindor was the sassy quotes. The Ravenclaw was the profound quotes. For the Slytherin section, we have the evil quotes. Oh. Oh, interesting. Ooh. We gotta ask Ooh. each one of them if they're a racist. Yeah. All right, let's get through it. <laughs> and then in the Hufflepuff, much Okay, okay. We don't have that. We don't have that. <laughs> much like Hufflepuff true to form in the books, this is just the other quotes. <laughs> the ones that were good, but either didn't have a particular bracket that they felt like they were the best fit in. So for the first round, what we do in these is we just, Johnny and I usually take like a minute or so each to talk about what the matchup is and which one we think is better. So the first matchup for Sassy Quotes was between the number one seed, which is no need to call me Sir Professor. Johnny, you want to read the full quote? God, no, you got it. You okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah, it's when Snape is, is it Harry and Snape are throwing shade back and forth. What's the context exactly? Think, Harry just says no to him about something. And right. Then Snape oh, says, yeah. no, sir. Uh -huh. And then he says, okay, no, no need sir. to call me Sir Professor. Also, I'm serious. Don't call me Shirley. Yeah. <laughs> For context, this is now midnight. After doing a live show, we are frazzle-brained and yeah. tired. <laughs> we are trying our best here. The eight seed is our best Lee Jordan Quidditch announcing quote we could find, which was... Flint nearly kills the Gryffindor Seeker, which I'm sure could happen to anyone. Right. <laughs> There's... McGonagall's mad at him for being biased, and so he says something that's still biased, but then he says, but that could happen to anyone. <laughs> it's pretty fun. We talked about this a little bit, but no need to call me sir. It was just like... It's just the perfect way to throw something back in someone's face, and uh, we love a good sassy moment. Yeah, it was an obvious win. Right. We gave some love to Lee Jordan, but... Mm -hmm. yeah. Ultimately, couldn't beat it. I have an interesting relationship with Sir, which I grew up in New Jersey for the first 14 years of my life, and then I moved to Texas. Sir is only used as an insult in New Jersey, and Texas, if you don't say sir, everything you've said is an insult. Wait, how is sir an insult? Because in, like, in New Jersey, you'd be like, oh, yes, sir. Like, if someone told you, you never say sir ever. Because politeness is foreign to the Northeast. <laughs> it's just, I, it's so, it's in the Northeast, in, in the Northeast, you are very direct. Now, the four seed and five seed mashup was between the number four seed, yes, I dare, which is what Harry says to Voldemort when Voldemort goes, do you dare? When he's really showing him up in the final battle. And number five was Hermione when Ron 
does not seem to process the fact that Cho Chang could have emotions. Yeah, Hermione says to Ron, <laughs> just because you have the emotional range of a teaspoon doesn't mean that we all do. Yeah, and this was a this was a lot of back and forth, I think. The argument we made for Yes, I Dare was that, like, Voldemort saying, you dare, is something that, like, villains say a lot in a lot of stories. And Harry saying, yes, I dare, throws, like, all of the villains in all the stories saying that, like, for a loop. Yes, it was good. And it did end up winning Yes, I Dare, because I think it was more of, like, a shocking, like awesome moment from Harry. The emotional range of a teaspoon thing, like, it is good. I think it's funny. It might have, like, a little more hype just because of, like, it showing up in the movie. And Yes, I Dare was not in the movie. And when, when it shows up in the movie, they all, like, laugh. And apparently that was, like, an unscripted scene where they all just start laughing and can't stop. Yeah. So I think that, like, like we wanted to evaluate just the words on the page, and I think Yes, I Dare won on those merits. Right. And when we chose this, the crowd let out an audible groan from, like, the middle. There was clearly, like, a Hermione contingent yeah. that was sad when we picked this. So the number three seed was, I think we've outgrown full-time education from Fred before they depart in dramatic fashion. And the number six seed, which is also from book five, but it's when McGonagall and Umbridge are going back and forth and Umbridge is saying that Harry couldn't be an Auror. McGonagall saying that it doesn't make sense. He's gotten high marks in defense against the dark arts. And then Umbridge, Umbridge says, no, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. McGonagall <laughs> says he has achieved high marks in all the defense against the dark arts tests set by a competent teacher. Absolutely incredible. We ended up picking the outgrown full-time education thing because what makes the quote here from McGonagall so good is the whole exchange. And what we are trying to answer here is what is the best quote? Not necessarily what is the best moment. But you're right that the other one, while it's an absolutely sick burn, right. requires a lot of context and a lot of back and forth. And, you know, like you could put George, I think we've outgrown full-time education on your little bumper sticker. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, I think that one wins. I definitely know someone who put it on their graduation cap after I, on the podcast, was like, put it on your graduation oh, cap. So and then someone good. sent me it on Instagram. They're like, I did, wow. <laughs> which is really good. And then the final one from Sassy is when Ginny, clapping back at Ron for yelling at her for making out with Dean, says, uh, what's the exact quote? Cause it's just just because he's never snogged anyone in his life, just because the best kiss he's ever had is from our Auntie Muriel. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. And the other one was also from Ginny, but it was... Three Dementor attacks in a week, and all Ramilda Vane does is ask me if it's true if you've got a hippogriff tattooed across your chest. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good, but I just think the particular thing thrown at Ron, that's the thing where Ginny just maybe in the back of her mind, or maybe it's just I do this, but it's like, if this person ever angers me, I will unleash this. Like she had that one saved. And then it's just the, the you know, the quote version of I'm about to end this man's whole career <laughs> meme. Cause it's just, it's so specific that it's very good. So we ended up picking the snogging one just because it was just absolutely just- From the top rope. Just from rendered. the top rope, just completely, completely tearing apart Ron. It's one of those things like, that as a sibling, you've got like locked in in case the situation comes up and then unleashing it. And we also did make some jokes about like the tattoo on the chest thing, like Harry's only 16. Uh, so, yeah. and like, you, I think it, it, we asked in the crowd and they said yes, but like in the UK, I think you also have to be 18 to get a tattoo. So like gives them some really good street cred. We did pick the Snogging Mural. And then I told Johnny. the crowd that Mike has a, a hippogriff tattooed across his chest. <laughs> so then we went over to Profound and the number one seed was every life is the same and worth saving from Kings of Shacklebolt. On the radio. Mm -hmm, says it on the radio on Potter Watch. And then number eight was the Stand Up to Friends one. Yeah, Dumbledore saying, it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. Which is a really good one, but the crowd definitely felt like it, and we felt like it too. Just that every life worth the same and worth saving just like felt 
correct. And we said there's a whole lot of, or you said there's a whole lot of people in the country, maybe affiliated with, you know, mm-hmm. one party or the other that might need to hear that one. That's what you said. But then I said, oh, I was saying just J.K. Rowling. Oh, um, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I was referencing J.K. Rowling. You said there were a lot of people that could probably hear it. And I was like, just a particular person. Like, so pointing to that made it pretty clear. The crowd is very nice about that. <laughs> Clapping along and agreeing right. with our statement. The next one was between the four seed and the five seed. Four seed is uh, the King's Cross dreamscape where... You know, Harry asks, is this happening on my head? And Dumbledore says, of course it is, but that doesn't mean it isn't real. And then number five was the Neville grandson line, which is so solid. From McGonagall, it's high time your grandmother learned to be proud of the grandson she's got rather than the one she thinks she ought to have. Absolutely fantastic. We gave the edge to the Neville grandson line just because we feel like it really encapsulates Neville. It's a big moment for him because this is where he's like finally starting to have some courage about himself. I mentioned that I think that the inside your head being real line is like a bit overblown because i think like there are things you can make up in your head that are not real like you know people who think the friend zone is actually a thing like oh she was nice to me so clearly she likes me it's like no she's just being nice to you you don't have to misinterpret everything but my counterpoint to that one was like i don't think that's the point dumbledore's making i think he's saying just because it's inside head like his head doesn't mean that it's not real right it's like there are fake things in your head but there also are real things in your head and you made the like the square circle comment. Which yeah, or I, I said it's like, oh, it's like squares and rectangles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then the three seed was. But we picked the grandson one. Yes, we picked the grandson one. So the three seed battle was three in the six seed. The three seed is the see how he treats his inferiors quote. You want to give me the. Yeah, from Sirius regarding Barty Crouch's treatment of Winky. If you want to know what a man's like, take a good look at how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. Yeah, really solid. And then the number six seed was don't dwell on dreams so much that you forget to live from Dumbledore. Yeah, exactly. It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget Mm -hmm. to live. Yeah, we picked the Treats Inferiors one because the main point I was bringing up is like, it's a nice twist on what is like the more normal version of this, which is you would think someone would say, oh, look how someone treats their equals and not people above them. But to bring it down a whole rung is like a really interesting perspective. And the don't dwell on dreams thing, like it's nice. And you pointed out, Johnny, that like it's a very, like very fits book one, but not really outside of that because I don't know, sometimes having goals and, and dreaming is important. And then I was joking, like, you know, sometimes you can dream about the podcast you've started becoming yeah, your full-time yeah, yeah. job, and then you get to talk about it in front of crowds for people. So, And then we talked about our actual dreams and how when I wake up, I like thought my dream was real for way too long. And I'm like, oh God, I got to address the fact that I didn't wear a shirt to work yesterday. Right. Jesus. And how my dreams, I am not very good at remembering them. I usually forget them. But the, during the walk from my bed to the sink to brush my teeth, I'm like, <laughs> what was that dream? I don't remember. It was weird though. Okay. And then the two and seven seed in... The profound battle was, I have choice show ability. Yeah, Dumbledore saying, it is our choices, Harry, that show what we truly are far more than our abilities. And then the other one was from, is this a Sirius or a Lupin quote? From Sirius, yeah. We've all both got light and dark inside us. What matters is the part we choose to act on. That's who we really are. Yeah. This, so it's sort of two sides of the same coin, this it, one. Yeah, it's similar. We ended up picking the light versus dark one just because it was really profound. And it's something that it feels like more applicable to like many different things. It feels more true. Whereas like the choice to show ability thing, like, Sometimes it doesn't come down to like just having to make difficult choices. That show you who you are, yeah. Right. There's other ways to show it. And the light dark thing is like truly something that like feels more relatable. Yeah, good duality of man energy. Yeah. So then we got into the evil quotes, which was Can't I Potter versus Voldemort's bout to death Harry. What's the full version of it? Come, the niceties must be observed. Dumbledore would like you to show manners. Bow to death Harry. Mm-hmm. So we picked Can't I Potter for all of the reasons I've already praised on the show. 80s action line. 
and waiting for the right moment. And Harry thinks he's bested Bellatrix, but he and we talked about hasn't. how Voldemort uh, forcing Harry to observe the niceties made him lose because <laughs> he like he, like, moved, like played with Harry and then Harry was able to escape. Right. We talked about how like monologuing is not yeah, yeah, yeah. Voldemort's best look. Uh, and then the four seed and the five seed, we had training for the ballet, Potter. And the number five seed, which is there's no good and evil. There is just power and those too weak to seek it. From Quirrell with Voldemort in the back of his head. Voldemort in the back of his head. They're, they're both very good. I really like the The power in the too weak one, I think, is like something incredibly biting for a villain to say. It's It's along the Killmonger lines where it's one of those like, I see what you're saying. It is wrong, but I can see why you think it's right. But then the training for the ballet, Potter, like, I don't know, being a ballerina would be awesome. Have you ever seen a male ba ballerina? They're like ripped. They're hot as hell. <laughs> They're very musically and physically gifted. Yeah, the rest of that quote is training for the ballet, Potter, because you look really good. <laughs> <laughs> training for the ballet, Potter? Those sell out every night in New York City. <laughs> the training for the ballet one, it's the closest thing you could get to scared Potter because we found, at least in our control effing, that's how we got all these quotes is we have PDFs of the books, very legally obtained. And we were control effing to find all this stuff. And we couldn't find scared comma Potter question mark in any of the books. We found scared with just a question mark, but not that. So that could be like a movie thing, not book thing, or it could even, and we made this joke on stage of like, it's like how they never say hello Clarice yeah. in Silence of the Lambs. So then the next one was the three and the six seed. It was Fender Grayback saying, you know how much I like kids, which there was an audible like Ooh, in the crowd when we said it. And then the absolute banger from the locket when Ron opens it. Least loved by the mother who craved a daughter, least loved by the girl who prefers your friend. Ooh. We ended up giving the award here to How Much I Like Kids just because it was like a short, sweet, just like absolute gut punch. It is a bit of a like, a, oh my God, he admitted it, yeah. quote, but <laughs> it was just such a evil thing for an evil person to say to like confirm all of the rumors that were said about him. Right, but shouts to the Horcrux for an absolute fire burn. Yeah, we said it was the I'm about to end this man's whole career yeah. <laughs> meme of quotes. And then the final one in evil was kill the spare, uh, which is said self-explanatory. And then the you need to mean it Bellatrix line when Harry tries to throw an unforgivable at her. Yeah, you need to mean them, Potter. You need to want to cause pain to enjoy it. Righteous anger won't hurt me for long. Mm -hmm. We gave some praise to that one, especially the righteous anger element righteous of it. Anger. Yeah, and, and the, the context in which it's said, but Kill the Spare is just absolutely brutal and just like showing exactly what Voldemort is like, like immediately upon getting to the scene where he set this up, it's just, we're just gonna kill this guy. We're not skipping any steps. We're going straight to murder, not like stunning him or anything like that. And like Cedric is like the valedictorian who's about to go row crew for an Ivy League school and he's at the spare, right. just like devastating. Absolutely. So then we get into the Hufflepuff, which is just all the other quotes, whether they didn't really fit in a category or we had too many in a category. So the number one seed was, I'm not worried, Harry, I'm with you from Dumbledore. And the eight seed was also Dumbledore, the flighty temptress quote. Yeah, and now Harry, let us step out into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Yes. The we didn't even talk about I'm with you. Even no, <laughs> because we were just, I just initiated by saying that flighty temptress just feels like you're trying way too hard to say something that sounds cool and it's one of those things where you harry or at least if i was harry i would continually make fun of Dumbledore for this word choice of flighty temptress and then on stage i shared a story about how like the miami heat have been playing basketball very well this season and 
early on in the year, people thought they really weren't a contender. And even now that they're playing well, they don't. And ESPN released some sort of thing where they were putting people into tiers and they had like top contenders, but then the Heat were listed as like a looming threat or something like that. And now the Heat Twitter account just only uses the word looming as like in any chance they get. Looming. So fun. Oh, they, if they're coming back from a lead, like the Heat are looming. Uh, so that's the kind of thing I would do with Flighty Temptress. I would just, you know, say to Dumbledore, oh, can you hand me that Flighty Temptress we call the Salt Shaker? And you you did another uh, thing. Yeah, you like, said oh, it first. Oh, so really, I was you guessing. Hang out? And he was like, no. I was like, you have flighty temperatures <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Wouldn't happen is like that. Yeah. Then the four seed and the five seed was Ron at King's Cross in the epilogue. When everyone's staring over at stuff, he says, oh, don't worry, it's me. I'm extremely famous. <laughs> and the five seed was Fred making fun of something, talking, making some sort of reference to running away quickly, said, we ran faster than Severus Snape confronted with shampoo. Yeah. We picked that one. We talked about how like Fred had to have been sitting on that line mm-hmm. because it was so good that he couldn't have come up with it in the moment. And then we talked about how he like probably butchered it. And, like <laughs> Trying to get it out so quick he stumbled. Do, do, do. Yeah. But then the other thing that happened on stage is I told people about like, you shouldn't shampoo your hair every single day. Um, I think I made a reference to it later in, in the second act, which you might hear, but you shouldn't shampoo your hair every single day uh, because it does remove like grease and stuff from your hair, but it can also remove like the good natural oils that your scalp produces. So it's best to do it like maybe once a week or just do whenever your hair actually gets like really sweaty and dirty. And then I said, we got to talk about that later. And here we are. Here we are talking about it later (laughs) in a different circumstance. And we thought originally, but uh oh, now the three seed was got to admit Dumbledore's got style. Uh, but it begins with a, a nice little preamble. Yeah, you know, Minister, I disagree with Dumbledore on many counts, but you can't deny he's got style. Really good. And then number six is Luna saying... <laughs> you can laugh, but people used to believe there were no such things as the blibbering humdinger, the Crumplehorn Snorkag either. Yeah, so we ended up giving the edge to Crumplehorn Snorkag. Johnny made a very good point that the Dumbledore's got style line, it is good, but we all think it's so good because of the movie delivery. That actor just absolutely Nailed knocked it. it out of the park. Whereas this line, it's just the truest form to Luna. Luna does not care what people think of her, but in the good way. And then I made some reference of like, it's the better version of when people are like, oh, Jeremy just doesn't have a filter. It's like, well, Jeremy should have a filter because part of being a human is knowing when to not say yeah. <laughs> But Luna does it in the way she's not concerned with popularity. And with this line in particular, it's just dripping with irony. Like she does not recognize how ridiculous she sounds, but because of the confidence in herself, she just believes like, oh, can you believe this? And it's very, very funny. So we ended up picking that. Final one of the first round is between Not My Daughter, You Bitch and Give Her Hell From Us Peeves. A really tough one. We ended up saying that the Peeves thing, it was very along the lines of outgrown full-time education, which we think is a better quote there. It is very like circumstance-based and more about the exchange of like when they did it, how they did it, as opposed to like the words on the page. Whereas like, Not My Daughter, You Bitch, come on. It's too perfect. All right, JK, you can say bitch, but... This is going in young you're, adult now. But you, yeah, but you have to delete three asses and one damn. Like, there's different point Which gives values. You seven swear word points. <laughs> yeah, right. You've reached 69 swear word points, and if you surpass 70, you will get moved onto the young adult section instead of the children's section. Of course, you get 69 swear word points. It's just nice, 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 nice. We talked about, though, how we did like that give her help from us peeves from friend George sort of implies that like Fred and George and Peeves have like a kinship, you yeah. know, like we're not so different, you and I, yeah. like which which we loved, but it's still not enough to overtake Not My Daughter, right. You Bitch. So now we go into the second round. Ooh. All right, 
So now we can get into the second round, where we've got some applaudians. Applaudians. Look at me go. I'm going to trademark that right now. The applauseometer or the applauseometer, if you're European, uh, to determine which of these is better. Now, the rules for Johnny and I, we will each be defending one, but we only have 10 words to make our case. So we did no need to call me sir versus yes, I dare. I took sir, and my 10 words were revenge is a dish best served back at your teacher. Yeah, or like in front of other people. Or <laughs> oh, no, yeah, it was be best served in front of others. Yeah. That was what I said. And then do you remember what you said for I Dare? Yeah, for I Dare, I did, um, kids these days are doing many drugs. Bring back Dare, yeah. like Dare the Drug Program. But then we prefaced that Dare was actually a bad actually, program. Yeah. Dare, like, actually bad, though. Oh, it was, bad. It was super bad. bad. Yeah, it was like a okay. You're Wrong About episode if, about if, Dare. If you smoke a weed, <laughs> you'll murder your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did. <laughs> Uh, Wait, no, I'm marrying my <laughs> So then it was outgrown full-time education versus the snogging line. And I don't remember who oh, did what. Oh, the snogging line. Okay. We were full-time education. Uh-huh, and you did... Because I said, uh -huh. um, Ron Weasley and Auntie Muriel sitting in a tree. And then my 10th word was K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Which is very good. Outgrown full-time education. Oh, I said, they were so close to graduating. <laughs> but said, nah, deuces. <laughs> Johnny ended up winning that, deservedly so. So then we went over to Profound, which was every life is the same and worth saving versus the Neville grandson line. I think you had the grandson and I did the same, right? I don't remember who did what on this one. This might have been a dud. <laughs> we didn't do any we sick banter. You, yeah. you didn't miss, anything. You didn't miss um, anything. I don't really remember. Or I think you you had Every Life Was Worth the Same. Because didn't you say, like, there sure are a lot of people who should read this or something like that? Oh, I yeah. That's, that's what you I said. Did. Yeah, that's what and I And then, said. oh, grandson, I did. I did uh, Great Expectations. More than a book assigned reading. Good mantra. <laughs> So then the next matchup was the see how someone treats inferiors versus equals, and then the light and the darkness inside. Yeah, so I, I had light darkness, you had inferior. Yeah, I did inferiors, and I said, Hate your boss? That probably means they suck. <laughs> Johnny, who manages multiple people at his regular job. <laughs> they hate me, that probably means they suck. Which was only seven words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like seven or eight. And then for light darkness, I said, we all, something like, we all have subconscious thoughts that are the worst, but don't act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's something where I was able to say, but don't act. Good. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, was yeah. how I was able to end it. The inferior one ended up winning, and you made a joke about how the inferior became the superior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then in the evil one, we had Kanti Potter versus there's no good and evil, just power, and those who are too weak. I did power because okay. I said no one man can have all that power. Right. Yeah. And can't I? I walked off stage <laughs> to the side of the stage behind a curtain, and then I told Johnny to say, "Can you say there's no way that Mike comes back? There's no way that Mike comes back. Can't I, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> that was okay. 
that ended up winning. Uh, and then we had, you know how much I like kids and kill the spare. And I just said, yikes, and then counted to 10. So I went, yikes. And I said, but then before you did, I really quickly jumped in with a Sean Kingston reference, which I think was the best line oh, of the night. That was great. I hope that. Seth, the videographer, got this on a video because I ended up saying, Somebody call 911. Fenrir Greyback wants to eat some children. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I can't believe that was actually 10 words. <laughs> you trying to bowl a 300? <laughs> Kill the spare. Because <laughs> spare is a bowling ball. That's fantastic. Oh, which was good. And Spare ended up winning yeah, that one, which was great. And you'll get to hear me forget that because I was so proud with my Sean Kingston line that oh, I was yeah. like, surely I've won this one. <laughs> and I accidentally wrote the kids ended up winning. Okay. And then the final thing of this round, we've got the Hufflepuff ones. So the first of them was I'm not worried I'm with you, Harry versus the shampoo one. I had shampoo and you had worry. Yeah. And for the worry one, I was like, Aren't you like 150 years old? He's a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something where I think you were able to fit in like, aren't you 150? Why does hanging with a teenager yeah. calm you? Something like, something that. like yeah. that. For shampoo, I did Snape horse race, but not chasing rabbit, running from shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Or is that that's in greyhound races, isn't it? And then a very loud like yes. <laughs> so then I change it to dog racing, and then everything else. And then when you said dog racing, I was like, oh, oh, that was twelve. <laughs> <laughs> so then the the last one of the second round was Luna's. You can laugh, but people didn't think Carpal Horn Snork X were real. Or not my daughter, you bitch. You had bitch, and you just said bitch yeah, ten so, times. Yeah, so I was like, oh, God, I don't know if I fit this one in ten words, and I haven't counted. And then I was like, bitch, 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 bitch. bitch. And then for the snorkel one, for Luno, I don't remember for the snorkel one. This crumple horn snorkax. I don't remember either because the word bitch was just echoing yeah, it was, in my brain. Right. Yeah, I don't remember. I really, I really don't know what I did for this one. If I don't think it'll come to me, but the bitch one ended up winning. And it was clear at this point, this happens with some of the shows, it's like sometimes the crowd will get like really rowdy about a particular one. Like if you're listening to this, you've probably already seen that the Philly show that we did where it was the best store. The Philly crowd at this point where the first time they can do the applause meter stuff, when I ask them, this is they at the Philly show were like, Mundungus is coat. And they were just all in on it. Oh, and that's kind of what the oh, vibe we got here with Not My Daughter You Bitch is like, it was certainly the crowd favorite. Oh, yeah. So it didn't necessarily matter how good the arguments were. Yeah, like it was, it was yeah. it I said the word bitch 10 times <laughs> and it was not gonna lose. You knew it was coming through. So that ended up winning and then that was the end of the act. So yeah, we okay, we, we recapped it all up no, except no, no, for the no, one thing we, I forgot. Uh, that was when we identified Team Bitch as the... Yes, Johnny said he was representing Team Bitch. And then at that point, it was just a break for intermission, saying all the normal kind of things. Me making some jokes about like the merch store being shut down <laughs> means you gotta, the only place you can get it is at a show, so go get it. And then went backstage. And then during intermission, I realized, oh crap, I didn't record the first half of the show, but we gave it to you here as best we could. Hopefully you enjoyed this. And again, uh, if I haven't already, I don't know how future Mike is going to edit this all up, but 
as many snippets that can come from the audio files that Seth has from videotaping parts of the show for some hype clips. I will put in there so that you can try to experience it as much as you can. And I hope you enjoy when we get into act two. I'm assuming future Mike will take a break here for some words from our sponsors. So uh, enjoy this live transition to Wingardium Madridosa. Wee. Whoa, didn't even need editing Mike for the transition. Look at the foresight of past Mike. You're finally coming around, except you forgot to hit record on the recording device. You doofus. Anyway, now that we're here, just want to remind everyone that if you go to patreon.com slash Potterless, you can join a tier that's called, oh, I just want the Potterless stuff. And for just four bucks a month, you can get access to all of the Potterless posts that we ever posted on the Patreon. It's called, oh, I just want the Potterless stuff because it is rebranded for my Percy Jackson podcast, The New Olympian, which is very good and you ought to listen to it, especially because the Disney Plus show for Percy Jackson is coming out in the end of December, and we will just be finishing the fifth book in the main series by that time, so it's a really good time to get in and listen to the show, but the rest of the Patreon is set up for that, but if you join that Potterless tier, you can get access to everything that was ever posted in the five plus years that Potterless was posting regularly, so that's bonus episodes and monthly Q&A live streams and director's commentary and all these other fun things. That is all there, and you can get it for just four bucks a month at patreon.com slash Potterless. You can also still get some Potterless digital merchandise at potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. That includes past live shows that we've done, ringtones, wallpaper, stuff like that. The physical merch store is no more, but there's a whole bunch of digital stuff that you can get at potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. So now before we get into the rest of the episode, you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of those ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. So if you live outside of America, you might hear an ad in your country's native language. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is slash Bucks right there. Wow. Anyways, that's a slash club.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a so wild offer. Like 10% cards, off a four dollars slab packs in a more right transparent Anyways, way. That's Arena whether you're a sports nerd or Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds purchase. like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, let's waste no time. We've got things to discuss. And I learned a fun thing that I forgot to turn on the recording device for the first half. So you all got an exclusive, no one hears. Things, so check that out. And for folks listening at home, I'm really sorry. I was very stressed out of preparing the show and I forgot to hit the record button, but it's okay. But it's okay, because we're here. We are here to continue the bracket and we're gonna determine what the best quote is. So for this next round, it's the same thing. Johnny and I will be each picking one thing to defend and making our case. You all in the crowd, applause metering to determine which is better. But when Johnny and I make arguments in this round, they must be in rhyming couplet form. It can be more than one couplet. It doesn't necessarily have to just be one, but it's got a rhyme, baby. So we've got right now in the sassy bracket between no need to call me sir, professor, and don't be upset. Ron's only mad because he's never snogged anyone. Best kiss is with Aunt Muriel. Which of these would you like to defend? I'll take the, uh, I'll take the best kiss, Auntie Muriel. Okay, and I will do no need to call me sir, professor. Why don't you start with the kiss? Ah, the holidays, wake up with a morning jog, and then come home and sit by the Yule log. Now it's time for the family party. Boy, I've had a lot of eggnog. Oh dear, that might be why Auntie Muriel is the one I've chosen to snog. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Been at Hogwarts all day. It's feeling like a blur. I'm in my least favorite professor's class. And I'm starting to stir. He's given me some sass. I hate when I get that from my professor. So I will throw some shade his way and end it by saying, no need to call me, sir. (laughs) (laughs) So if you think the snogging one should advance, make some noise. All right, all right. If you think no need to call me, sir, should advance, make some noise. Okie dokie. It advances. And now we can move on to the profound section, which is- A lot is, of liberties we're taking with syllable counts here. Yeah, the <laughs> syllables, but you know, it all, it, we got there. It's just avant-garde poetry. Yes, it's a modified sonnet. Anyway, this profound one is between every life is worth saving, every life is the same and worth saving, uh, from Kingsley, or we've got the, a man is judged based on how he treats his inferiors not his equals, what would you like to defend? I'll do the inferiors. Okay, I will begin with every life is the same and worth saving. There's an author I used to like who I think is quite sheetful because she has failed to remember that everyone should be treated equal. (laughs) I would like to take her face and pie it 
with cake batter to rudely remind her that trans lives matter. <laughs> that was a pregnant pause. Okay. Judge a man not by his hard exterior. Nay, judge a man by how he treats his inferiors. Mmm, very good. Very, very good. Okay, if you think every life is the same Lord saving should advance, make some noise. Okay, okay, all right. If you think treating his inferiors versus his equals should advance, make some noise. What are you feeling? Should we do it in reverse? Sure, in reverse. If you think it's uh, how should you treat your inferiors, make some noise. Okay, if you think it's every life is the same Lord saving, make some noise. All right, I think that one got it. So Kingsley's quote moves on. Now we can go to the evil section. In the evil section, we have Can't I Potter, or you know how much I like kids. I guess I'm taking you know how much I like kids. Okay, um, Can't I Potter. Who went first last time? Uh, you did, so it's okay. me. You got it. Wait, was I wrong? Did Kill the Spare win? Kill the Spare one and not kids? Oh, cool, just, just kidding. We can't check, because I didn't record the first half of the show. <laughs> we'll never know. Okay, so just kidding. Would you like to do Kill the Spare or Can't I Potter? I, I, I'm not <laughs> going to okay. Can't I Potter. Then do Kill the Spare. Okay. Sometimes a villain says something so evil, it's rare. He says things like swear words or kill the spare. <laughs> okay. Go to the ministry with my friends and Molly's daughter. There's a big fight with the Death Eaters. It's nearly a slaughter. I'm running away and fighting Bellatrix, and I think I've got her, but after I say something cool, I get hit with, can't I, Potter? <laughs> if you some slant rhymes in there. <laughs> if you think that Kill the Spare should advance, make some noise. Okay, okay, all right. If you think can't I, Potter, should advance, make some noise. Okay, all it was right. close, it was close. All right, all right, so can't I advances just barely. And now, into the other section, the Hufflepuff quotes, we've got running faster than Severus Snape confronted with shampoo, or not my daughter, you bitch. What would you like to defend? I'll take not my daughter, you bitch. Okay, cool. I'll go with shampoo. All right. <clears throat> Putting it in your hair every day is not the right thing to do. It should not be a daily routine for you to shampoo. You should only put it in your hair if you sweat and it's gross. You don't want to be the person who uses shampoo the most. <laughs> Severus Snape. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> His hair is so greasy that Severus Snape I bet his head is slimier than a freshly washed grape. <laughs> so I, I realized I said nothing about Harry Potter in the first part. I should probably do something. Molly's been trying to scratch the competitive itch. She is so ready to leave someone in a ditch. However, she can't get there by playing Quidditch. So her only hope is to scream, not my daughter, you bitch. That's very good. That is very good. If you think running away from shampoo should advance, make some noise. Okay, it's very kind of you. If you think not my daughter, you bitch should advance, make some noise. There we go. Wow, 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 wow. Impressive. Okay, so that concludes the rhyming round, and we are now here to the final four. 
Now we have the different genre brackets going at it. So sassy quotes versus other quotes and profound versus evil. Now what we're doing for this round here, normally when we do these brackets, we make acrostics out of the words that we're defending. These are full sentences, so we'd be here for 35 years <laughs> if we did that. So instead, what Johnny and I are going to be doing is we're going to be analyzing these quotes and trying to defend ways in which they could be used in other circumstances. So not just the context of the Harry Potter book, but if you were trying to use this quote in real life, like we all have to do, which is anytime you have to write a bio for something and they ask you what's your favorite quote and then you Google whatever Abraham Lincoln said that one, time. That's what we'll be doing here is trying to defend that these quotes can be used in other contexts. So this first matchup we have here is between no need to call me sir professor feels a little limited or not my daughter you bitch also slightly limited. Which of these would you like to defend? Staying on team bitch. Okay. All right. And then that means I have no need to call me sir professor. So what would be another way to say, not my daughter, you bitch. Okay, so uh, let's see. You're at the nursery after just giving birth and someone tries to steal your newborn baby daughter. Okay. Mm -hmm. You are walking on the sidewalk and your daughter is uh, real far ahead of you and Fenrir Greyback, maybe, in a van, mm -hmm. starts to try to talk to your daughter. Okay, yeah, let's see that. Okay, okay. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, child. You know how much I like children. Would you care to come into this van for some totally free and normal candy? Hey, wait, hey, hey, who, hey, who is that? What are you, what are you doing? What are you, excuse me, sir. It's just sir. me, a local small businessman trying to make an honest buck. And what are you trying to make a buck by doing? Having your, this little girl come into my van to purchase some candy. Not my daughter, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. The role of Johnny was played by Liam Neeson. Uh, <laughs> okay. I have a very particular set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now for no need to call me sir, professor. Okay, so if you were a teacher and someone was very nervous and they didn't know what to say and they, and they kept throwing like things in front of you and they called you like, not just professor, not just sir, or like doctor, or whatever. They called you like Sir Professor Schubert. Oh, let's see that. Let's okay, see that. Okay. Let's see that. <clears throat> so the social studies homework is to read uh, an entire atlas <laughs> and to tell me how you feel about different bodies of water and their names. So wait, if I'm doing this homework, is there like a worksheet? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little unclear about this homework. Can you please describe it to me a little better? Yeah, there's a worksheet that you can fill out. Um, either you can print it out or you can do it digitally if you're lazy and slash or want to save the environment. Um, but yes, I'll send it to your email. I don't know about this whole homework thing. I'm a pretty cool kid after all. I don't really do homework. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you would have a little more respect for me. I just don't, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, sir, Professor. Uh, oh, oh, no need to call. Sorry, sorry, I, I didn't mean to be bad. Don't call my mom. No need to call me Sir Professor. I'm just Mr. S. <laughs> so yeah, that's a different context that you use for don't call me Sir Professor. Uh, if you think that don't call, no need to call me Sir should advance, make some noise. 
right, all right. If you think not my daughter, you bitch should advance. Make some noise. Okie dokie then. Not my daughter, you bitch advances into the finals. What a raucous crowd we have here. <laughs> we voted for the one with the naughty word in it. Okay, now for the final, let's see that matchup. We've got every life is the same and worth saving or can't I potter? Let's see, I'll do can't I potter up. No, no. I'll, do, uh, I'll do every life is the same and worth saving. Okay, um, so what are some other instances of when, or, or you went first last time, how about asking me when else you could use Can't I Potter. Yeah, what are some other instances when you might use Can't I Potter, but you're not recording a podcast either. That's also right, right, right. of course, of course. Um, no, who would do that? I think you could do a couple, you could, if you were like at a pottery class and you were doing something like incredibly risky with the pots and they were like, you can't do that. And then you're asking the potter, like Can't I Potter. Um, or if you were in the plant section of Ikea or maybe, I guess, like a Lowe's would make more sense when they actually have like plant people helping you out. That's probably a good fit. Let's see that. Fit. Let's okay, see that. Okay, okay. <clears throat> oh. Oh, you're going to try to take that plant home? Yeah, I think it'd be really nice. It says it's got like medium light, which I think in my apartment has enough. Haven't windows. you ever read about one of those plants? No, I usually just water plants. Well, those plants there are pretty. Dangerous. See, I work frequently with plants. Okay. And that one, no amateur is going to be able to work with that one. Oh? Oh, you think that I, an amateur, can't work with this plant? No, it's going to grow and it's going to have thorns, and every time you water it, it's going to hiss and smoke. And again, I don't think there's any way that you can manage that plant. Well, can't I? Potter! <laughs> okay, cool. Another use of Candy Potter. Um, and then we've also got uh, the other one, which is every life is the same or saving. So, Johnny, where, uh, in what circumstances could you tell someone that every life is the same and worth saving? <laughs> so, it's the beginning of Finding Nemo. Okay. And uh -huh. the shark is on the way. Okay, okay. And... The parents are arguing about which of the kids to save. Okay. <laughs> and one of them makes the claim that they should try to save them all equally. Okay. I'm just, it's so sad. Do we still want to <laughs> see that? No, I guess we don't have to do that one. All right. We fast forwarded. We're all crying. We've seen Nemo. All right. So we're in Finding Dory. No. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. If you think that every life is the same and worth saving should advance, make some noise. All right. All right. If you think Can't I Potter should advance, make some noise. All right, it's slight close. edge, slight close, edge. Okay. Yeah, can't I, Potter? All right, so now we have made it into the finals. And as we all anticipated, picking the best quote in any page of any book in the Harry Potter series, not counting the curse child, because come on. Like no, it is. Those quotes just didn't make They just were yeah. all terrible. That's true. That's very true. We tried so hard. No, we did try. Is the battle we all anticipated is between Not My Daughter, You Bitch, and Can't I, Potter? <laughs> A very brainy podcast we host here. So for the final round, Johnny and I will each have three minutes on the clock in order to take one of these quotes and defend them in the most logical way, which is to present them via TED Talk. And we'll each be giving a three-minute TED Talk about why this particular quote is the best quote in the entire Harry Potter universe. So Johnny, what would you care to give your TED Talk on? Team bitch. Okay, team bitch. Would you like to go first or second? I'll go first. Okay. 
I will put three minutes on the clock. Hello, welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> the love of a mother. <laughs> it can be found in a nest of baby birds when unprotected and threatened. It can be found in the savanna with lions, with baby cubs also unprotected. Not Savannah, Georgia though, right? Yes, Savannah, Georgia. You haven't seen the lions there? <laughs> but one instance of a mother's love triumphs above all the rest. Jesus. <laughs> it's the Harry Potter best quote. We'll be doing the best Bible quote next time. I didn't know Jesus was a mother either. <laughs> As I was saying, one instance of a mother's love triumphs above all the rest. And I know what you're thinking, and no, it's not him. It's when Molly Weasley saw her daughter so threatened by the most evil woman in the world. And she said, I have no choice but to step in. And the use of the word bitch <laughs> in this particular quote is revealing and intentional on behalf of the author because, because she hasn't used any word like that in the whole other series. Otherwise, she could have kept it in the kids section. <laughs> the reason that it's revealing is because she's never used it and she chose this moment to do so, which demonstrated the ferocity of the love that Molly had. Bitch, bitch, biatch. <laughs> However, we also must untangle the dark implications of not my daughter, you bitch. Because in saying not my daughter, you bitch, Molly Weasley is implying she doesn't care about anyone else's daughter. <laughs> Molly Weasley looks out for her own and her own only. And that is a trait we can respect. <laughs> and so, in summary, the love of a mother for only her own triumphed over evil. And isn't that the greatest story ever told? <laughs> It would have been particularly funny if Not My Daughter You Bitch was going against Every Life is the Same and Worth Saving, <laughs> given that your argument was just like, nah, Weasley lines. Only my Only my <laughs> Okay, so now for Can't I Potter. Hello, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. The fifth book, Harry has very recently been confronted with Voldemort. In the fourth book, for the very first time, the first time he truly faced him. And it was a surprise in that time. He didn't know that Voldemort was going to be on the other end of grabbing the cup when he tried to do it so cutely at the same time as Cedric. But he does vanquish him. He is able to get away. And then we fast forward into the fifth book. And after we read through all of the boring chapters about cleaning that are in the beginning, <laughs> when we finally get to the good stuff, which is like the last five chapters of Order of the Phoenix, they get to the Ministry of Magic. They get to the Department of Mysteries, and we have this big, incredible battle. And it's an, an extremely emotional battle because we've got some 
nice moments of people like Neville holding his own against Death Eaters. We've got Harry fighting. We've got Ron and Hermione and also tentacle brains in big vats. So many strange things happening. And then we are just absolutely soul crushed by Sirius falling through the veil. And we're thinking, nah, he's definitely not dead. He's just like teleported. And you know, it's not like the next chapter is gonna open with Lupin being like, he's super fucking dead, Harry. <laughs> but we've just been through an emotional roller coaster, the high of them fighting, the low of Sirius, but Harry is fueled by anger. He's rushing out to chase after Bellatrix, the person who not only defeated Sirius, but did so laughing maniacally the entire time. Very rude of her, by the way. He chases after her. He has so much rage that he does something that we didn't think Harry would ever do, just completely out of character seemingly, tries to throw unforgivable curses at her. This is Harry Potter. He's 15 in this book, and he absolutely just does something we, we didn't think possible. Then Bellatrix is trying to tell him that he's got to really mean it. He doesn't mean it. And then he is back and forth with her, and she's in a position where she feels like she has been bested by this kid, and Harry finally feeling like he's taken this righteous anger, and he's directed it towards Bellatrix, and she's calling out for help from Voldemort, and he's basically doing the, like, your daddy can't save you now of it all and he's feeling great, he's riding this energy, all this adrenaline, and then some little bald dude was just freaking creeping, like standing behind, he's just standing behind waiting and he's just listening. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, all right. And he doesn't know, he doesn't know exactly what he's gonna be saying, it's not scripted, but he's like, okay, I bet, I should, all right, let's see. If he says something, I could do this. If he says this, I could do that. Oh, oh, he's saying I can't hear him. He's saying I can hear him. All right, but I can hear him, that's the joke. He doesn't know. Uh, uh, Voldemort can't hear you now, can't I, Potter? Like, it's, how long was Voldemort waiting? How long? This is the most anticipated thing. He's been waiting so long, and he's just been rehearsing this one in the shower for weeks on end, and he finally gets to unleash it, and he says, can't I, Potter? And it's just the most villainous type, but specifically Voldemort villainous, because he has such a flair for the theatrics, the most theatrical villainous entrance possible, and if there's two words to describe Voldemort, it's villainous and theatrical. And that is my TED Talk about can't I, Potter. Okay. I'm gonna have to manually add steps to my daily step counter after the fact for all the pacing I did. So, it's now the most important applauseometer for you all to make. It's determining the winner. If you think, not my daughter, you bitch, is the best quote, make some noise. All right. I knew team bitch would show out for me. <laughs> Solidarity team bitch. If you think it's Canti Potter, make some noise. It's not as loud. The best quote is not my daughter, you bitch. We have determined it. Look at you. Well done. Good job. I never won before. Absolutely incredible. Well done. Awesome. Well, we have now determined what is the best quote in all of the Harry Potter books. Thank you all so much for helping make that possible. Give yourselves a round of applause for helping us arrive at these decisions.
Hey, it's me editing Mike one more time real quick just before we get into the Q&A, which is really fun. It's a really good Q&A. The questions this time around were chef's kiss, mwah, fantastic. Before we get into those questions, we're going to take another quick little break for some ads just because this is such a long episode. But once those ads are complete, we will get back into the final portion of this episode of Powderless. With Kizik Can's free shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So we've got a little bit of time here, so we're going to do some Q&A, and it's going to be a fun little time. This first question I'm just picking at random is from someone named Kelly Beckman Schubert, and the subject is, it's me again, comma, and then in all caps, your wife. So Kelly says, today's question is a BTS question. I'm actually curious about the answer, so text it to me after the show. <laughs> Who is your bias wrecker? If you don't know what a bias wrecker is, it is the member who makes you rethink or question your bias. In my case, Jimin. So BTS is perfect. You should all listen to them. Absolutely incredible musicians and very nice human beings. First, let's say, who is your favorite member of BTS? Mine is Jimin, because he's the best dancer. Obviously, Jungkook. Okay, that is probably the most correct answer in that he is the most talented. So now, who's the bias wrecker? Who in BTS makes you go, oh, like in your case, ugh, is Jungkook really my favorite? Or for me, ugh, is Jimin really my favorite? Sugar. Sugar. That was my answer too. Sugar, for everyone not knowing, Sugar is the best rapper. So he's, J Hope is, I think, J Hope is very good. I think J Hope's like, yeah, yeah, J Hope, they all have different styles. We could be here for so long. I would say, like, if they all, if it's like video game characters where they all have stats, I think, like, Sugar, just pure in rapping, has more rapping stats than J Hope, but J Hope's dancing stats are very, very high as well, like, just shy of Jimin. But that would be, <laughs> that would be our answers. But BTS is very good. You'll listen to all their stuff. All right, this next one comes from Rachel. Rachel asks, What do you think each Weasley sibling's signature shoe would be? P.S. No one calls it Hotlanta. I knew that. Don't worry. <laughs> That's why when I said it, I used a facetious tone. <laughs> but I'm glad to have the confirmation that no one calls it. It's kind of like how no one calls San Francisco San Fran if they're actually from there. It's SF. It's a great way to weed out tourists. It's very, very good. I learned that nobody calls California Cali. Oh, That's yeah, like same thing. devastating for no. California. Yeah. yeah, no one does that. But I like when those things are like kind of under the radar because then when someone says it, you're like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> ugh. Okay. So their signature shoe, I mean, that would be a lot. So I feel like Charlie's gonna have like dragon skin boots, obviously, but not real dragon skin. It's like vegan dragon skin where it looks like it, but it's not actually made out of dragons because he cares about them too much. 
Charlie could also be the guy just to rock like a steel-toed boot just for like work purposes, but then it like still works really well. Because you can get steel-toed boots that look good. When I was at the plant in Seattle, they let me get any steel-toed boot that was under a certain price threshold. And I knew I was moving to New York soon, so I got Timberlands with steel toes. And now I wear those to any New York sporting game that I go to because that's the official, you know, uniform that you have to wear as a New York resident to go to a Knicks game. And every time I go through the metal detector, <laughs> I get flagged and I go, they're steel-toe, and they go, okay. I think Bill is like, you know, typical business investment banker. <laughs> well, I mean, we do know that he does wear dragon skin uh, boots yeah. in when he's described as very cool with his he has very an cool and a ponytail. They'd be very shiny dress shoes or boots because you can get like, you know, nice little like Chelsea boots. I could see him rocking those. Percy stilettos. All birds. No, all oh. birds. Percy would well, totally wear all birds. <laughs> Why stilettos? Because he's like a diva? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I would go with all birds because he would be like, you know, like, why would I get a shoe that looks good? I would just want one that's functional and breathable and all the other things that the podcast advertisement told me. <laughs> if you wear all birds, it's fine. I just think they're kind of boring. Ron, big old clown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> No, I I feel like Ron would have, he would be the type to like just get sneakers that could like fit all different circumstances because Converse, yeah, I think that's good. Like he could rock some Chuck Taylors. I think that could be good for, for sure. Ginny, I would say like an entire closet of shoes. So like I feel like Ginny would just have like, she's not gonna be limited to just one thing, but I do feel like she would rock like nice sneakers that's above all say. else. Yep. Yep. Like not necessarily like flats and all of that. Yep. Harry is not a Weasley. He's not a Weasley, but he like is. Friend George, they would, uh, I mean, they'd obviously, Healy's is a very good answer. Healy's is very good. And they uh, would trade left and right, you of know, course. so yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. they could each have one of the whatever, shoes. Whatever they would do, yeah, they would buy shoes together in different colors so that they could have the left, right, and then Molly would be like, thank Christ, I can tell them apart. George is the one with the red shoe on his right foot, but then they would know that she got used to that, so then they would, like, switch it up and then totally throw Molly for a loop. It's also worth noting that no matter what they are, Ron's shoes are Velcro. <laughs> that is very good. That is very good. Okay. This question is from Liam, who says, question from Georgia Tech. Fun fact, I almost went to Georgia Tech. It was close, but I went early decision to Rice, so when Rice accepted me, I had to say yes, but Georgia Tech was my number two. Liam says, hey, Shubes, the best outcast quote is definitely, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. It's very good. Very, very good. How is Italy, seeing as you just got back, what do you think an Italian Hogwarts would be like? It's very good. Italy was great. It was very good. I highly recommend, especially because we went to a very touristy town in the non-tourist season, so there was like nobody there, which is great. So that was a fun time. I enjoyed it very much. As far as Italian Hogwarts, I am not Italian. I grew up in an incredibly Italian town in New Jersey. I feel much more kinship to the Italian people than any of my strange jumble of you know, different white heritage that I have. Italians love talking with their hands, as anyone here at the live show can see. If you tied my hands behind my back, I would not be able to speak. So I feel like that would make all of the different wand stuff very fun. And I feel like because of that, like the nonverbal incantation game would be very strong because you can just like, say a lot of emotions just with like strong facial expressions or like how intense an eye roll is or whatever hand motion you use. I feel like they'd be very good at the nonverbal stuff because like you can very much express yourself without saying a lot. All I know is that you wouldn't have any teachers whose last names start with Mick 
<laughs> like McGonagall. Yeah. Like McGonagolia or something. <laughs> oh, God, Very valley. And all the Italians have turned off the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm but yeah, sorry, I mean, sorry, obviously, sorry, the, sorry. obviously the food would be a very strong point because that was some of the best part of my recent trip to Italy. Food, absolutely incredible. Obviously, you'd have your staples in terms of like different pasta dishes and ketchup, pepe and gelato and all that would be good. I do and think it would be very fun. I don't know if you're about to say the same thing. That They don't take rowboats. They take gondolas over <laughs> across the lake. <laughs> I was not going to say that. I was going to say that at the feast, every time, no matter what they ate, they would just say, oh, it's just so fresh here. It's just so fresh here. I mean, That's real talk though. Says. It was, God, some of the best stuff that we had was just like, we went to just the grocery store and the tomatoes there were like, I don't just eat tomatoes straight up, but I was just like eating tomatoes off the vine like they were grapes. It was, oh, it was great. And then I had a tomato when I came back to America and I was like, let me just see. And I nearly spit it out. It was like, <laughs> I've been ruined. I do think that they would have, when you go down to the Great Hall, they would have breakfast, but there wouldn't be a lot of food because like breakfast is not a big thing over in Italy. It's just like all of the different coffee machines would be like one row and then it would just be all like different, like some sort of baked goods. Cause you just get like a focaccia or like some sort of like, you know, flaky, bready type thing. And then your little espresso or, I was trying not to say croissant is what happened. I was like, say, what's an Italian cornetto, croissant? Isn't it? It's a cornetto. Couldn't tell you, bud. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> a lot of my ordering was pointing at the baked goods that looked very good. But that, and then like an espresso or a macchiato, and then boom, it would be fantastic. So that would be what I got. Okay. Oh, a good question. It's from Josh and Casey in the front row. Thank you, Josh and Casey in the front row. <laughs> they ask, who would win in a fight, Harry Potter or Percy Jackson? It's really good. If you guys haven't heard, there's just really good Percy Jackson podcast out there called The News Olympian. The host sounds incredible and attractive and humble. But a fight <laughs> A fight between Harry and Percy, I think it's very important to know because I've only read like the first book and a third of the Percy Jackson series. So if, we go, if we're doing this under what I know, if we're saying just like 12-year-old Percy Jackson from book one and 12-year-old Harry Potter from book two, if they are in a fight, I think Percy Jackson is going to win because, ooh, ooh. Maybe when I come back to Atlanta, I'll do a new Olympian show. Um, Okay, maybe I definitely, all right. Takes note, does that. Um, the thing is, to not give away any spoilers, there's three like very large confrontations that Percy is able to conquer, and then like three like medium-sized confrontations that he's able to conquer, and Harry in all the way up to book two, like he just like lucked into being able to touch a guy's face a lot and destroy him, and he didn't even know. Yeah, and in the video games, you can't even do flipendo until like the end of year two, so he's got no fucking chance. <laughs> and then yeah, in year two, like yes, he was able to defeat the giant snake, but like with a sword, with a sword, but with a sword given to him by Fox without the sword would have absolutely been wrecked. And also, if Hermione didn't like let him know the whole deal, he totally would have been petrified. So like he really needed some help. Where Percy like in a lot of those battles kind of did it solo. Some of them had friends involved. So I think at least just given the context of 12-year-old Harry versus 12-year-old Percy, I'm giving the edge to Percy Jackson. Yeah, I agree. Is that where you're at? Okay. Cool, cool, cool. All so right. So Percy moves on to the next round. Percy moves on to the next round. Now, Percy Jackson versus Charlie Weasley. Um, okay. Peter Wyckoff sent me an email called Ice Tray Beat the Knicks. I am deleting your email. Um, <laughs> I said I said a nice thing about Trey Young who flops too much. Uh, okay, so this one is from Tia. Tia says, Percy Jackson crossover question coming at you. If the Harry Potter trio were demigods, who would their godly parents be? Okay, 
So we've got Harry, Ron, and Hermione if they had a Greek mythological figure as a parent. I feel like Hermione makes a lot of sense as Athena, just in terms of the wisdom. She shares a lot of qualities with Annabeth. I think that's a natural fit. Ron, I want to say Hermes? I was going to say Hermes. Yeah, just like very like Hermes. Joker and, and, and witty at times. Harry, who's like... You know what? Feels like Zeus. Zeus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, bro, Zeus. Nailed it. Okay. Absolutely. Boom. Nailed it. Okay. So another question. Similarly, if the Percy Jackson trio of Percy, Annabeth, and Grover were at Hogwarts students, what houses would they be sorted into? I feel like Annabeth would be in Ravenclaw. Grover. Grover's a Gryffindor. Is he? Is he? He's not like actually a Hufflepuff? No, because I think, no, I think he's one okay, that you like make your think, case. think would be he's, a Hufflepuff. He's like a Neville? Yeah, yeah. He's like a Neville where it's okay. like he's got that little bravery component deep in him that it puts I, him in Gryffindor. I don't know enough about Grover, but based on what he's done so far in book two, he's done some brave things and they're also like very clever. I currently would probably lean more towards Hufflepuff, but I could definitely see him being the Neville arc. And then Percy has to be in Gryffindor. He's the main yeah. character and that's and just... he's kind of a doofus. Look, look, I know all your other houses are great, but like the books are written about Gryffindor. I'm just sorry. It's not my fault. She didn't write about the other books. Blame her. Okay, this one is from Brooke. Brooke asks, Mike, what did you think of the Hogwarts Tournament of Houses and the questions that they asked? I didn't watch it because I applied for it and they said no and I said, fuck you. <laughs> so, Petty Mike Schubert didn't watch it for that reason, but then played it off as like, I don't want JK to get my money. Also, I don't have TBS, uh, so I didn't watch it. And then I know they put it on some streaming thing, but I was like, nah, I don't need this. But yeah, I thought it was shit. <laughs> All right, so this is from Barry. Barry says, hey, Mike, I'm a Hufflepuff. You've talked about how you grew up in Catholic school, and I've heard you reference Jesus before. What Hogwarts house do you think Jesus would have been sorted into? <laughs> Jesus, who's a mother, wow. as, we learned, as we learned earlier today. All right, Barry then makes the case for all the different houses. Oh, my God. Jeez. All my teachers are rolling over in their graves. What house? No, some of them. <laughs> the ones that aren't, I guess, squirming in their chairs. Um, what house would Jesus Christ be sorted into? I mean, I think the truest answer is probably Hufflepuff because of like what Hufflepuff stands for. Because what, when you think about the other houses, like, and it's the fault of the founders, but like they were very strange in that the first three were like, I want one type of kid. And then two other people were like, yes, that's it. And then Helga was like, ugh, I guess I'll take one for the team and accept literally everyone else you've left on the table. And when you think about Jesus, like that was kind of his deal too. Let's move on in case uh, I'm gonna anger anyone. Uh, touchy subject here, just gotta move on. This is from Katie. Katie says, hi, I'm a Slytherin and I'm not racist. Thank you very much for clarifying. If anyone has never been to a live show or heard the live show audio, when you say what house you are, you must, if you are from Slytherin, you must clarify whether or not you're racist. If you are racist, I won't field your question. Sorry, just gotta draw the line somewhere. But Katie's not racist, so we're good. Katie says, in book six with Johnny, you pointed out Dumbledore's Olympic swimming potential. <laughs> With his perfect breaststroke, with you remember? Oh, yeah, his yeah, perfect yeah. breaststroke, okay. Do you think any other professors could win at the Olympics? What a phenomenal <laughs> question. Thank you so much, Katie. This is absolutely fantastic. What other professors would do well in the Olympics? Okay. Lockhart could lie about it. Yes. <laughs> like say, oh yeah, I was an right. Olympic whatever <laughs> back in my day. Um, let's see, let's see, let's Filch see. curling, done. Filch, <laughs> yeah, the sweeping, that's really good. That is really smart. 
That is a no-brainer. I would say that hooch, the closest thing to flying is I think when people do the big, long skiing thing, whichever like Alpine or whatever it is where it's like the big things, like whatever Lindsey Vaughn does where you gotta do the big and, and all of that, like that feels the closest thing to flying possible. So I feel like hooch could bring home either in like skiing or just whatever the actual um, flying event would look like. Other professors though, is there a witty comebacks? Because McGonagall would be pretty good at that. Um, she kind of strikes me as somebody who has the vibe of like a figure skating judge. Ooh. <laughs> or like a gymnastics coach because yeah. they have to do the mix of like being stern but also supportive at the same time, or at least mm -hmm. the good ones are. And I think she could toe that line very nicely. Similarly, Flitwick, compact, could be a very good gymnast. Oh, yeah. Could get those tumbles because he's got that low center of mass. Could work out pretty well for him there. And he's good at charms, you know. You gotta be charming and smiley when you do the different gymnastic performances. I think that could be very good. Peeves would be great at rhythmic gymnastics, which features ribbon dancing. I feel like Peeves would be a natural fit there. Haggard would be incredible at basketball. <laughs> Just a huge, big body. Like, yeah, who's yeah, gonna, he's, yeah. he's Shaq. Like, no one's going to stop him. It would be fantastic. I guess he could also hold his own at, like, Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, that kind of stuff. Oh, dude. Ferenz uh -huh. archery. Duh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be really good. Yes. He'd be super solid. And then do we meet any of the... I feel like Karkarov always felt like a pirate to me. So I feel like he'd be good at fencing. <laughs> of I didn't know where you were going. I was like, oh, who went a gold at piracy? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one is from Patrice. Patrice says, we're at table 62. Like I'm a waiter and I know where that is. <laughs> it's my daughter's birthday. Her name is Alexis. Can you give her a shout out? Alexis, happy birthday. I hope whatever age you're turning, it's the best. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Oh, it's so great. Okay, this one is from Beth, playing on the question that was asked, asked earlier, who is your bias and bias wrecker of Harry Potter characters? So who's your favorite character and then who makes you question it? So for me, my favorite character is Ginny Weasley. I think she's fantastic. I aspire to be like her. She knows when to be funny, knows when to be sassy, knows when to be profound. She can read a room and hold her own. The one that makes me question it though would be Charlie Weasley because, and the reason he's particularly the wrecker because it always makes you second guess, is it's one of those like, I don't know if you've ever like played fantasy sports or something where you like pick up someone and you're like, I think they might be good. Like if I get them off the waiver wire or, or you take like some big risk in like a board game or something, you're like, this is a risky move, but like maybe it'll pan out. The potential is there. I think that's how I feel about Charlie because it's like, we don't know a lot about him, but like he sounds really promising. Could be like, maybe if I knew just a little bit more, he could be my favorite. So that would be my answer. Bias Fred, bias record George. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one is from Bunmi, who says, Mike, since you've read through the Harry Potter and currently are on Percy Jackson, do you read books normally or do you find yourself analyzing them like you do for the pods? I'm guessing you're you meaning when I read like regular books for fun? Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, reading Harry Potter and Percy Jackson is no, not regular and not fun. It is not fun. When I read them, it's, it is a process because if I'm reading the physical book, I, you know, I'm like reading it, closing it, typing down some stuff, or if I'm doing with my very legal PDF copies, I'm like taking notes and copy-basing. Like, it takes me a very long time to take lots of notes about like what was in the book. What cool joke did I think of that I want to make sure I say on the podcast and stuff? How can I word this to make sure, you know, the quote's intact, blah, 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 blah. When I'm reading regular books, though, I am able to relax and stuff. I definitely like read through things and analyze it very intensely, but 
I definitely take a different approach to it. Also, I do find that like the only times I do a lot of reading are when I'm on vacation or something like that because on my honeymoon, I discovered the joy of reading on the beach, which I used to think was a boring thing that my parents did. And then I became an adult and I did it and I was like, my parents were right the whole time. Nothing is better than this. You can't get better than this. So maybe it's because of that, but maybe it's because I know I don't have to take notes. I'm just so relaxed that it's pretty nice. So there are follow-up questions though. If so, does this enhance your reading experience or is it detriment to your enjoyment? No, I think it does enhance it because I certainly like was not as good at reading comprehension before doing these podcasts, which you can tell by listening to earlier episodes of Potterless. Um, so it's, How old was he in book three again? <laughs> no, no, don't ask me. So it's definitely helped with that, especially if I'm reading a book that's like a little more factual, like a basketball history book or something like that. Um, so yes, thank you so much for your question. Oh, and this is, but me ends it by, by saying, from a non-racist Slytherin. Great. Let's go with this one here from Mary. So Mary asks, which character do you think was portrayed truest to form in the movies and why? I think the anti-answer to this would be Snape because Alan Rickman was too lovable. Um, but true. Speaking of, by the way, we oh. forgot to address the fact yeah. that we did like aggressively did not include always as one of the quotes in our quote mm -hmm. bracket because ugh. it's not a good one. But if you're looking at book Snape, bad. If you're looking at movie Snape, sure, because Alan Rickman played it totally differently. And J.K. did some retconning. She's like, ah, I should have made him a little more likable if I was going to try to redeem him in the second half of the last book. But as far as the one that was truest to form. Well, the other anti-answer is. Ginny? It was Dumbledore in the. Uh, <laughs> the uh, one the that he said. <laughs> yeah. But truest to form. Hmm. It is tricky. It, you know what? I think, and maybe I'm biased because I got to meet them for the podcast. I think Fred and George were done incredibly well. I think they were done really well because, like, they were very fun and they played off the twin angle of it well. And even just, like, hearing some of the behind-the-scenes stories of the fact that, like, the guys who play Fred and George, like, really being class clown goofs doing pranks with Tom Felton and the whole story they told in the podcast about, like, tricking Warner Brothers into giving them multiple rounds of free golf, which is, like, oh, you get, like, I think it's truest to form, like, it was perfect casting and the casting then let them later shape the characters and, and shape them out a little bit more. So that's who I would say is truest to form. What about you? I think I would say Imelda Staunton as Umbridge, who was just like, oh, that's a really, yeah, no, a that's really good. Perfect. Yeah, I yeah, think that's, that's really good. Answer. It's so true because I've seen interviews with Imelda Staunton, who's a very accomplished actor, which I learned in the inbox after I posted saying like, oh, I haven't seen Umbridge in anything else. Um, but she, on in some interviews said that like, for a good couple of years, people just hated her. Like in real life, which like I get she was so good at being so evil because I think truly she was written as one of the most evil characters and she did it. I think that is a very good answer. And I think it's a very good place to end here. So first off, Thank you all so much for coming out. This is absolutely fantastic. There's so many of you here and that is absolutely wild. Especially shout out, did anyone come from like far away? Like did anyone, who? who? North, Carolina. Uh, North Carolina, how long? Texas, okay. How, how many hours drive was the Texas drive? Um, I flew. You flew, okay. Did anyone fly from farther than Texas? No. no. Okay, you flown the farthest. I'm going to- Drove five hours, but I mean, a flight, that's pretty, uh, it's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Three, oh gee, okay, you win. I mean, what, Four, what booking engine did you use? <laughs> it's like South, Southwest? <laughs> 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 
Oh my God. Okay. Well, because you've not only traveled from very far, but it was a pain, I will be gifting you this I Took Latin in High School notebook <laughs> as dedication. So I will just... I will just leave this here and you can come and snag that. But no, seriously, thank you all so much for coming out. Thank you so much to City Winery for having us. Everyone in the City Winery team has been an absolute delight. Shout out to Seth, who's been doing the, the filming and the videography stuff, which is really cool that we can use for later stuff. And, and again, thanks all you. And big thanks to Johnny for being an incredible guest and representing Team Bitch very, very well. Team Bitch? Yeah. We gotta head out. Normally I'd love to do like a meet and greet and all of that, but we can't because of the world. Uh, but maybe when I come back as, <laughs> as you clamored for, we'll make that happen. But I'm just so thankful that you guys came. I really appreciate it. And until next time, when we come on back and talk about potentially Percy Jackson or something else. But until then, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Wizard on! Thanks so much for coming out, everybody! Thanks for listening to this episode of Potterless. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert, as well as a bunch of other people that helped to make the show exist by supporting at the producer level status on Patreon. And the music is Bobby Tita Campamanes. I really do appreciate everyone listening. I am trying to get stuff up more frequently than I have in the past. So I'm glad that there was a shorter gap between last time posting and this time. Trying to get more regular with it. Thank you all for listening and sticking around and subscribing. Really do appreciate it. And all the folks who say that they re-listen to the show over and over again, that's really cool too. When people say it's like their comfort podcast, that's some of the highest praise that I can ever receive. So thank you all so much. Reminder, if you want to just stay up to date with whatever I've got going on, you can go to my website, which is shubes, S-C-H-U-B dot E-S. That's got information about my other podcasts, upcoming live shows that I'm doing for my podcasts, as well as some of the other things I've got going on, like my bi-weekly Dungeons and Dragons stream that I'm doing called 20 to Midnight with a bunch of other fun podcasters. Lots of stuff going on there. You can find me on social media. I'm at shubes17, S-C-H-U-B-E-S-1-7 on Twitter and Instagram. You can still check out Pyroless on social media and see when I post things about when live shows are coming or if I'm at conventions, stuff like that. Speaking of conventions, thank you to everyone who came through to LeakyCon and said hi and came to some of the Potterless things that I did there. It was a very fun time. So nice to meet people. Always nice to put faces to the audience and faces to names for people who have interacted, whether that's on Patreon or social media, whatever. So nice. Always so nice. But thank you so much for listening. I really, really do appreciate it. And hopefully it won't be too long before I get another episode out here and you'll be able to hear some more past live show stuff that we've done. But until then, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.